he asked these, these professional sellers two questions on the same scale, trying to get the confidence. And he said, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you in the value of what you sell? And the average was 8.1. And he asked the same question about confidence in the messaging behind what you sell. And instead of 8.1, the average was 3.9. University of Alabama's Colorado College of Business is BAM Means Business, a podcast where it builds amazing stories most people will inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens, and on the show today, Jim Carr. Jim is a clinical professor of marketing here at the University of Alabama a world-renowned, experienced marketer in delivering your message. This is a three-part series in which we talk with Jim about not only the program that he runs here at Alabama, but also some of the experiences that he teaches in the classroom and brings the clients that he helps consult with. I hope you enjoy the first episode. We have an interesting story, a little bit of background about how we first met. You actually saw the podcast through LinkedIn and reached out to me and sort of saw what we were doing here and thought you could add something to it, correct? That is correct. And uh, I have a podcast of my own. I'm frequently a podcast guest. I'm a podcast fan. I like uh, listening to them uh, on, on commutes and walking dogs or whatever the case might be. And so I really appreciate what you're doing here. And I, I investigated uh, this podcast a bit more and learned a lot. I uh, learned a lot about uh, some colleagues and learned a lot about people connected to Culver House that uh, I, I don't know, didn't know, but really interesting things all the way through. So so congratulations on the job you're doing. And uh, this is a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, obviously, I'm glad we have this kind of opportunity to connect ourselves and sort of talk about what you do yourself, which I want to dive into that. What do you specifically teach here at the University of Alabama? I am by title what we call a clinical instructor of marketing. And so for those who are outside our our, our immediate sphere here at Culver House, a clinical, uh, as we call ourselves, is someone who is primarily devoted to teaching uh, to a lesser degree for service activities and oftentimes is with a profession. So sometimes we'll have people who are who have a another business, they're active in practice, and that's an element that we can bring into the classroom. So I do have a PhD, um, I do have work experience, uh, and bring all of those things together. So I teach uh, a couple of sections of our principles of marketing class this term, I'm also teaching a class called Managing Innovation, where we have uh, groups of students who uh, put together uh, their ideas for a new product and a plan. They don't have to actually produce it and sell it. <laughs> we don't have that much time. But uh, to go through the, the steps of, of how you might do that and put together a workable plan. And, and uh, something I'm really enjoying that we can dive into a little bit more, it's a brand new class uh, for us here uh, called Sales Management, and that's at the master's level. So we actually have uh, put together um, a, a set of three classes at uh, the, the master's level in marketing around sales. And uh, so that's been that's been neat. My days when I teach will range, Cole, from uh, having 300 plus students in our uh, largest auditorium in Houston Hall to um, a small cohort of maybe 10 or fewer in, uh, in the master's class. It's great. It's, a, it's really interesting interactions across all of those. It's definitely a phenomenal diversity that you have inside of such a skill set of yours, offering it to not only undergrad, but also graduate students. Diving into your expertise, 
obviously to get to a PhD level, to be a clinical professor, that means you have to know something about something in order to actually be able to teach it. <laughs> That's the idea. Exactly. So we <laughs> want to dive into your background and how you got to become an expert in sales and the idea of B2B specifically. Can you dive into sort of your past and your history, which allows you to teach this subject matter? Sure. And my path has not been completely linear. And I think, though, these days that really describes a lot of us who are uh, in, in professions. So things can take different turns at different times. I'll condense the story. We can unpack elements of it if uh, you find those interesting. Um, my, my PhD is actually in mass communication. Um, I got that uh, at the University of Florida. Sorry. Uh, that was <laughs> after um, I had uh, done my undergraduate work. I did uh, my MBA at Duke University, spent a couple of years as a junior banker in New York City, and then decided I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. And uh, for a few years in my late 20s, I, I uh, uh, owned a, as I would call it, an unfortunately small business. <laughs> so, um, but then uh, for, for, different, uh, for different reasons, it was you know, time to try something else. And I sold that business. And then I was thinking, what's the coolest job out there? And I remember my business school professors and thinking, ooh, that's really cool. Because people who get a chance to teach and share what they do, and they do their own research, and they do consulting, I think I'd like to give that a go. So I went back, got my PhD, and, uh, and began a teaching career. Interestingly enough, my second stop on my teaching career, young professor, was at the University of Alabama, not in the Culverhouse College. I actually was teaching more uh, advertising and media management classes. I was recruited to go to a business school in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, figured I'd be there for a few years and um, actually we were there for, for quite a while. So um, I, I taught there, started doing, uh, I was doing my research and I was doing some consulting work, made tenure. And then I had a really interesting lunch with a consulting client who said, uh, I've got two businesses and I'm going to be adding a third. He basically was describing how he was going to integrate around uh, a bottled water, bottled spring water brand a containers manufacturing business, and a network of home and office delivery locations between Kansas City and Charleston, South Carolina. And he said, Jim, we're going to put these together. I need somebody to run marketing. And I think you ought to consider doing that. Uh, that scratched an itch uh, that was back to the entrepreneurial uh, side of me and to say, could I do this? The, 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 the product itself was very good. The company had been around since the 1870s, actually America's oldest brand of continuously produced uh, bottled water, bottled spring water, but it hadn't been marketed well. It was not doing well in the marketplace. As the category was growing by a factor of eight or nine or 10, essentially the revenue and the profitability of this particular brand was just sideways. It was flat. So I was really intrigued, Cole, by, by, by that. Um, I spent four years as the chief marketing officer for Mountain Valley Spring Company, very much a niche player, the premium end of the uh, domestic bottled water market. We packaged in glass and plastic and uh, managed to expand our distribution uh, a good bit, including uh, not only into different channels in the U.S., but also into Japan. In the time that I was there, we actually won an industry award as the best marketing program in the global bottled water industry. However, two years after that big award, um, when a uh, planned big distribution uh, uh, agreement fell through, and uh, and all of a sudden we 
our, our revenue dipped and I got laid off. So there I was, uh, I was a former professor and a former CMO and trying to think about the next step to accelerate that a little bit. I, I had what was a bit of a chance meeting with someone uh, back in Little Rock and he worked with uh, a small niche consultancy. Their work was to go with business to business, B2B sales teams. Typically they're in uh, IT software, some sort of technology, basically something that's complex, higher margin, long selling cycles, working with those teams across industries to help them learn better messaging, better sales conversation skills, uh, to do training, leadership development, that sort of thing. So we would put together playbooks with our corporate clientele. Did that uh, for about 12 years and then developed, uh, do more of my own speaking and consulting in a similar sort of way uh, with just a, a little different part of the market. So it's come all the way, Cole, from teaching advertising and audience research and, and the like to mark, being a marketing practitioner and working with our sales team and with distributors and learning as I went. I said, I've learned lots of things and developed lots of scar tissue, did some things really well. Some stuff I look back, that was just idiotic. And, uh, and to be able to, now I, I take uh, that work and apply it with, with business to business selling teams and continue to do that work as I'm, uh, have my, my exciting clinical role that's here. All that being said, it really plays into the model of what people like me do here at Culver House, which is to take good concepts. And, and again, I do have the, some enough of the theoretical background, but also with real experience and, and some things that are happening very recently or in real time that I can bring into the classroom and, and uh, highlight some of these examples and, and the trends and the implications that are there. That was one of the things that attracted me to Culverhouse myself. Coming out of high school, my dad made me very aware of like the two trains of thought. There can be theory, there can be like case or practical applications. But I think, like you said, Alabama blends both of them. They want you to teach the basics, but also bring in what's going on around us to make sure that we can apply it to our day-to-day -day lives and be like, it's not just in the history books, it's going on right now. Here's how you can use it. And with that background, I think we have professors such as yourself offering a very unique skill set and a very unique perspective in the classroom. Do you think students recognize that? And how do you find yourself drawing that into the classroom on a daily basis? I don't know exactly how much any of us in the moment realize what's going on behind the scenes or what's in front of us or how it got to be there. Uh, I can tell you, even in, uh, in the classes that I have just in the past couple of weeks, there are the indicators of just the sorts of things that you talked about. So we uh, recently, um, at the time we we're recording this, uh, had a career fair, big career fair. Um, and we're having a number of programs with good corporate partners and sponsors. I've had several of them as guest speakers or they're making presentations into, into the classes. So we've got these programs going on. We had an international business symposium and we had uh, in my principles of marketing class uh, special uh, sessions. Some were devoted to study abroad or global supply chain issues, things like that. And not just in my sections there. Um, we have other people teaching sections of Marketing 300 as well. Um, and plus just bringing in, uh, again, good concepts, research, current data, um, telling stories and showing examples. So I don't know if, if any of us in the moment, I try to think back to my own time as a student, uh, realize until maybe later, why is it? Why is it there's such a, um, a nice collection that we're talking about and showing in class 
as well as people from the outside, our, our great recruiting partners and our corporate partners and people like that who are, who are also doing this sort of stuff day by day and they're great models and they, they love coming back and interacting with our students. So it's, it's all a byproduct of just the things that you're talking about, Cole. I, I think there's been uh, a concerted effort that long predates me and, and will continue on of bringing together people. We have a number of people doing really interesting, great research. We have uh, a lot of that research is showing, in, uh, showing up in academic publications and conferences. A lot of them are, are directed toward um, problems in our local communities and in the business community on a national or global basis. We have great corporate partnerships and people who are who enjoy the, the opportunity to, to be on campus uh, in person if we can, sometimes virtually, and interact with our students. And I, I think our students, though, to, to your point, at a high level, at least appreciate the fact that there are a lot of people that Alabama means a lot to them and um, and they really pour their knowledge and their their uh, energy into what we're doing here at Culver House. A lot of times people throughout their lives find themselves on a trajectory of not only how to convey message, but how to articulate what they're thinking and in a clear, concise way. That's sort of like your go-to thing as a salesperson, as a professor. How do I make the most impact using the least amount of words. How do you find yourself growing inside of that, not only in a professional sense, but also in a personal sense throughout your life? That's a deep, deep question, Cole. That's so good. I'll, I'll actually back that just a little bit. And because what you, what you said is very profound and important, both in a professional sense and, a, and certainly in a personal sense, but it gets to what I believe that, uh, that a great business school like Culver House can offer, which is to take what we're finding out and take the, the partnerships that we have and be able to address really important problems. So you can think of societal problems or just the things that, that can help uh, someone in their jobs, either early stage or late stage career, get past some challenges and uncertainties do we have something that's practically useful for them as well? And so uh, to your point about uh, the messages, the words, the things that we say, and my, my bias and my work is looking at that in a, in a sales setting and the, really the interaction of sales and marketing, uh, focus very tightly on what we might think of the sales conversation. That is a real problem. It's a very sore point for most sales professionals sales managers, revenue leaders, anyone who owns a P&L, and certainly senior executives, owners of businesses as well. This is a, Cole, I'll share with you and, and everyone here on the, on the program. I'd had this, this pattern that I thought I had noticed in my years of working with literally thousands of, of business-to-business sales professionals and their managers and their leaders and their, their sponsors of sometimes they would know so much about their products and solutions and their capabilities, their features and their functions and their benefits and, and the like. And, and yet um, there, they seem to have problems leading really good sales conversations. There was a disconnect sometimes between the things that were coming out of marketing or coming out of product and the actual conversations. And when I say conversations, the, the, the sales message, it is, what should we talk about during our conversation? How do we 
um, interests, prospects, and customers into that conversation? What are the stories that we tell? Which questions should we ask? And knowing that in complex selling environments, there are more than one person on the buy side, and these things may stretch out for weeks and months, maybe years. So the selling process could involve dozens, if not hundreds of individual conversations going on. And if you're going to succeed in that world, you need to be consistently good at that. So come back around to the problem, the nagging problem. I thought I'd seen this real disconnect in terms of the comfort level that sellers and selling teams would have in knowing their products and solutions and feeling as we might say, passionate about them, knowing that they, they can be really good, but not knowing what to say, what to ask, when. And again, stories and, and how do we put all that together in a consistent way across the team? And I, I was talking to um, someone named Tim Pollard, runs a firm called Aradium, and he, he's quite good, but he shared with me a survey that he had done, his firm had done with a few hundred these are high-performing business-to-business salespeople, typically in higher-tech environments. So they're selling solutions that are hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars. And he asked these, these professional sellers two questions on the same scale, trying to get the confidence. And he said, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in the value of what you sell? And the average was 8.1, so solid. And that makes sense, right? It's not perfect. What we sell is not flawless, nor is it right for everybody. But with the right kind of buyer and the right kind of situation and the support, it works. And he asked the same question about confidence um, in the messaging behind what you sell. And instead of 8.1, the average was 3.9. So we go from a confidence level of on a one to 10 scale of more than eight in what we're selling in less than four and how to talk about it. So what happens and think about this in not just business conversation, but just people, if you're having a family conversation, you're talking to a friend, you're out, whatever that might be. If you're not confident in what to say, what happens? What's the implication? And from my experience, there are two main results of, of lack of confidence, and neither one of them are very good. The first is that you'll avoid the conversation. Don't know what to say, and you're afraid of, oh, I'll, I'll look silly, I'll look uninformed, I'll, whatever. So I'll just avoid the conversation. From a selling perspective, that means people aren't prospecting well enough, or they're not going to their current customer base as often as they could and, and say, what else can we do for you? Are there some other ways that we could help you? Cross-selling, upselling, building that relationship. The other thing that can happen when, when you and your team lack confidence in what to say is you fall back on the familiar. And that, Cole and everyone, is where our brains get us into trouble because our brains are wired for comfort. And it's comfortable to talk about ourselves and our stuff rather than about the customer and their world what may be going on with them. So we're either, unfortunately, uh, avoiding conversations that we could be having and value that we could be sharing, or when we have those conversations, we're talking about our company and our history and our backstory and our products and our features and our functions and our unique selling proposition and those sorts of things, which frankly aren't that relevant or that interesting to most others. 
So knowing how to do that, that's the scope of the problem. And a lot of it comes to a perceived disconnect and an actual disconnect often between sales and marketing and product and some other parts of the business. That's the kind of work that that I do a lot, the things that we address in, say, the sales management class that we have now and in that program of how do you organize yourselves and around your processes and your conversations and your coaching and your training so that even though you won't be perfect, if you and your team can be consistently good at leading those conversations and being confident in them, you'll run circles around the competition and you'll be a lot more interesting and valuable to your customers. That's Jim Carr, clinical professor of marketing here at the University of Alabama. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, do subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And join us next week for the second part to our three-part series with Jim. And of course, check out our website at culverhouse.ua.edu to learn more about the Culverhouse College business and what it has to offer. And as always, roll tide. <laughs>